Hello, I'm Andrew, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 17th of January, 2024. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading for you this week, we have myself, Andrew, Nathan, Angela, Ian, Christine, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting the one and only Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, the quiz with Mina, from our local libraries, we return with some of the cheeky monkeys. We have the latest news for the black country. We have all the football news from Wolves and West Brom. A did you know session from Flashback Roger. The weather for the week ahead and the new year brings about an opportunity for new gardening projects. We hear from gardening experts MK Pulse magazine, who have plenty of ideas on how to revamp our outdoor spaces. Local news to start, though, with Ian, Angela. But first, Christine. Cash for good causes is in the firing line as Dudley Council searches for savings to fill a financial black hole. The authority is facing tough times and a predicted shortfall of around £10 million for the next financial year, which will need to be filled with a combination of dipping into reserves and finding savings. Members of the council's cabinet are being asked to consider a range of proposed cuts at their meeting, which would shave around £7.5 million off what the authority spends. Among the proposals is a plan to remove discretionary grant funding from community forums in a bid to save £240,000. Each of the council's 24 wards receives £10,000 a year to be handed out to good causes for the community, up to a total of £5,000 in one allocation. Another community-focused fund under threat is a planned cut of £100,000 for in-bloom floral displays. 
Some of the bigger savings for councillors to consider include £510,000 with a redesign of street cleaning and ground maintenance by creating a street scene team. A total of four customer service advisor jobs in Dudley Council Plus could be lost to save £120,000. Council finance chiefs are also proposing a review of school catering to save £900,000, while coffers are expected to get a boost of £1.3 million with the introduction of new charges for green waste collection. Conservative councillor Patrick Harley, leader of Dudley Council, said, The council has always had low council tax, amongst the lowest bills in the country, but that has only added to the financial situation we find ourselves in. There will undoubtedly be some difficult decisions to make to ensure we can continue to set a sustainable budget and protect essential services. But we have to maintain a firmer grip on our finances to avoid these decisions being taken out of our hands if the situation gets worse. Councillors will continue to debate the next year's budget before a final decision is made by the council on March 4th. A public consultation is open for residents to have their say on how the funds are spent. Councillor Harley added, We really need people to tell us what is important to them so we can set an informed budget that is sustainable. People will remain central to our decision-making. The consultation is open until February 16th and can be found on the Council's website. Councillor Pete Lowe, leader of the Labour Opposition Group, said... These are extremely challenging times for all local authorities and raising council tax is unavoidable. We have to remove politics from setting a sustainable budget and concentrate on what is important, running services for local people. Campaigners who saved libraries in Dudley last year are furious the council is plotting another cost-cutting review of services. You may remember early last year, Dudley councillors voted to axe staff and libraries which have become vital community hubs during the cost-of-living crisis. However, a well-planned, tenacious and emotional campaign by library users succeeded in forcing an unlikely U-turn by the Conservative administration in March 2023. The joy of saving such an important service, which thousands rely on, could be short-lived though, after the 2024 budget revealed another review of library services. Dudley Liberal Democrats blasted council leadership for proposing a review despite backtracking on service cuts just months ago. A review of library services is set to be voted on in March as part of the council's 2024-25 budget, which already sees sweeping cuts as the authority attempts to plug a multi-million pound black hole. Liberal Democrat councillor for Cradley and Woolliscote, Ryan Priest, said, The decision to include a review of library services in this budget is a kick in the teeth for the thousands of people across the borough who fought so hard against library budget cuts just a few months ago. They can call it a review, but watch how quickly that review becomes more cuts once the elections are out of the way. As well as the prospect of seeing services slashed, 
Dudley taxpayers can expect to see a rise in their council tax. Conservative councillor Patrick Harley, leader of Dudley Council, said, The council has always had low council tax, amongst the lowest bills in the country, but that has only added to the financial situation we find ourselves in. There will undoubtedly be some difficult decisions to make to ensure we can continue to set a sustainable budget and protect essential services. But we have to maintain a firmer grip on our finances to avoid these decisions being taken out of our hands if the situation gets worse. He added, We really need people to tell us what is important to them so we can set an informed budget that is sustainable. People will remain central to our decision-making. Labour councillor Pete Lowe, leader of the opposition, added, These are extremely challenging times for all local authorities and raising council tax is unavoidable. We have to remove politics from setting a sustainable budget and concentrate on what is important, running services for local people. The budget consultation runs until February the 16th and is available online at dudley.gov.uk. The Department for Work and Pensions will pay £600 to many UK householders after the 31st of March in a cost of living boost. The DWP will pay out as part of the warm home discount from March, with the deadline to sign up now revealed. The payment is worth between £250 and £600 this year and people claiming their state pension should get the funds automatically but some have been told they may need to enter a claim. Some individuals who are of the appropriate age need to take action themselves to claim the money. This includes those who have not had the winter fuel payment before or those who have received their state pension since their last winter fuel payment. The deadline to apply is March 31, 2024. To claim by post, you will need to download the claim form on the government website, fill it in and send it to Winter Fuel Payment Centre, mail handling site A in Wolverhampton with a postcode of WV981LR. You can also call the Winter Fuel Payment Centre on 0800 731 0160. Lines are open Monday to Friday from 8am to 6pm. The WDP says that help will be handy for many UK households who find themselves struggling with the financial strife many are currently facing across the country. Up next, we hear from Helen, who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi, everyone. It's Helen from the Beacon Centre, back already with my second update of 2024. I don't know where the week has gone. First up though, are you looking for a new job in 2024? We're recruiting casual care and support workers and if you're compassionate, reliable, experienced, this could be the role for you. To find out more about this flexible working opportunity, visit our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash jobs. Now do you fancy getting out and about in 2024? I definitely want to move more this year. Well, check out our community activity program and you can try something new. Call us on 01902 or visit our website to find out more. It's www.beaconvision.org. Now, 
Have you got some awesome furniture that's ready for a new home? Well, your pre-loved pieces could brighten up someone else's world and help make the world of difference for someone with sight loss. So if you want to donate, here's how to do it. First up, check your furniture is in good condition. Then check when your local shop is open via our website, www.beaconvision.org or call us. Hopefully you've got the number 01902-880-111 to arrange a collection. Your donation will make someone's house feel like a home again and help raise funds to support our work. What is as cool is receiving a handwritten letter. It's pretty exciting these days, isn't it? Well, it's helping Beacon Centre raise some funds, yeah. Did you know that your used stamps can make a big impact? We can turn stamps into funds to support those with sight loss. So let's be stamp-sational <laughs> and let's make a difference one stamp at a time, eh? Drop your stamps off at our centre or any of our shops around the region. That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon with another update. Bye-bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. Some iconic city centre venues are set to hear words, rhymes and laughter as part of a popular festival for adults and children. Fans of literature and spoken word will be heading to venues such as Wolverhampton Art Gallery, The Halls Wolverhampton, the Arena Theatre, Central Library and Bantock House for the festival. The Wolverhampton Literature Festival is set to bring people from across the city and surrounding area into the city to hear readings of books, chats from authors and celebrities, adventures with characters and a lot more besides. The festival will see comedians such as Lou Sanders, Josie Long and Robin Ince perform alongside authors such as Sathnam Sanghira, Raphael Rowe and Susan Vickers, presenter Louise Minchin and singer Pauline Black. Wolverhampton Art Gallery will be the epicentre for the festival, with the majority of events taking place there over the main festival weekend from February 2nd to February 4th, as well as some preview events beforehand. The gallery on Litchfield Street has been the main setting for the festival over the last few years, with performances in the Georgian Gallery and opportunities to meet the performers and get copies of their books signed afterwards. For further information and to book tickets to any of the festival events, go to wolvesliteraturefestival.co.uk forward slash events dot html. Over the next year, Wolverhampton will play host to live music, spoken word and dance as a series of artists have been asked to breathe new life into Wolverhampton Chapel Ash Underpass. The first event will involve a display of light and sculpture by artist David Checkley, with live performances of music, poetry, spoken word and drumming from West Midlands artists. There will also be the launch of a community garden. The Roundabout project is being run by the Asylum Art Gallery and has been paid for by Arts Council England, Wolverhampton City Council and Art Gallery, and the Government's UK Shared Prosperity Fund. 
Originally, those underpasses were made to be public areas for people to sit and eat and talk and meet up. It's all about reclaiming that again, said Hannah Taylor, director of Asylum Art Gallery. The Light and Sculpture Exhibition is due to open on the 27th of January, but work is already underway on the community garden led by local musician and writer Billy Haynes. He is promising edible fruits and plants to transform a number of the green spaces in the underpass and is inviting people in the area to contribute. There will also be music available to people to listen to through geotagging on their phones. The Roundabout project is due to involve eight community groups along with Wolverhampton Art Gallery and City Council. Wolverhampton is set to stage an urban sports championship after securing funding to subsidise the event. Urban Sport FISE Experience will take place in September, featuring freestyle BMX and scooter events, as well as braking, also known as breakdancing. The event will be staged in Old Market Square and the new event space in Victoria Street. City of Wolverhampton Council has been given £390,000 from the Commonwealth Games Legacy Fund, run by the Government and West Midlands Combined Authority. The councillor responsible for tourism, Bupinda Gakal, said, This is a huge shot in the arm for our exciting five-year event strategy, helping to secure the city's status and reputation regionally, nationally and internationally as a destination of choice. FISE External runs events in cities across its homeland, France and around the world. The City Council estimates a three-day event from the 6th to the 8th of September could attract 15,000 visitors, with an estimated benefit to the local economy of £627,000. The series' international director, Olivier Pascal, said he couldn't be more delighted to bring the event to Wolverhampton and would deliver something unlike anything ever seen before in the UK. In a digital campaign before the main event, riders worldwide will be invited to post videos online to win a spot to film alongside some of the world's best riders. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Question 1 What is odd about Harry Potter's specs? Question 2 what is added to white sugar to make it brown? Question 3. 
question three. How many terabytes is equal to one petabyte? Question four. How long did it take for the iPod to get 50 million users? Question five. Do you read faster or slower when reading from a computer screen? And finally, question six. On average, how many spam mails are sent out to get one reply? I will be back later in the show with all your answers, but for now, best of luck. Cheers for those questions, Mina. Hmm, I'll get my mind working on them. Up now, however, is another block of local news. The Halls Wolverhampton is set to see the return of Cheeky Monkey, a club night which was one of the most popular spots for people enjoying a Friday night out in Wolverhampton between 1997 and 2012. The Civic Hall was the destination for a Friday night of cheesy music and dancing for 15 years. The club night, which returns on Friday, April the 19th, will give those who remember a chance to relive their youth and dance to music from all eras including 70s disco, 80s pop, rock, indie, punk and ska alongside an eclectic mix of floor fillers. It will also give a younger generation the opportunity to try a new club night experience which is coming back to the newly refurbished halls for the first time since 2017. News of the impending return of the club night was met by excitement from some people in Wolverhampton city centre and by curiosity from younger people. Councillor Craig Collingswood is the cabinet member for environment and climate change at Wolverhampton Council, but had worked in Wolverhampton long before becoming a councillor and he said he fondly remembered nights out at Cheeky Monkey. He said, I remember back in the day, I was a regular at Cheeky's on a Friday night, as you could go around the local pubs in town, then head over to the Civic at around 10.30pm, get in and have the time of your life until the place closed. It had great music and was absolutely packed out with a great atmosphere and people, and there was something very endearing about it, and something very unique to Wolverhampton that used to bring a lot of people together. When Cheeky's was a regular thing, I'd be working in the town centre, and more often than not, my colleagues and I wouldn't go home. We'd go straight out. And there's a lot of people my age who have fantastic memories of the place and say it was among their best memories. Cheeky Monkey returns to the halls Wolverhampton on Friday, April the 19th, with doors opening at 9pm, and the event will run until 2am. To find out more, go to the hallswolverhampton.co.uk slash events slash cheeky hyphen monkey. A set of autographs signed by the Beatles and Paul McCartney's broken guitar plectrum 
which were given to a nurse who tragically passed away at just 24, will be sold at auction in Staffordshire this month. The Book of Signatures, which also bears a personalised inscription by legendary Beatles roadie Mal Evans and the autograph of Cliff Richard, goes under the hammer later this month. The book was signed for 15-year-old Louisa Warne on October 10, 1964, at De Montford Hall, Leicester, the group's third time playing the venue. As well as the signatures of all four Beatles, the book carries a personal message from Mal Evans to Louisa with love and best wishes, Malcolm Evans, Beatles road manager, and other 1960s stars, including Motown singer Mary Wells, who was also on the bill for the October 10th show. The page with George Harrison's autograph was additionally signed by singer Tommy Quickly, another Brian Epstein artist in the lineup that night in Leicester, and a souvenir discarded matchstick which is affixed beneath the signatures. The autographs are being sold by Dr Julian Dennis, a retired GP from Sutton Coldfield who has looked after it for the past half a century. Louisa and I married in 1973, he said. She was the daughter of my mother's best friend, and I didn't get to know her until after her encounter with the Beatles. Julian and Louisa were both destined for careers in medicine when they fell in love. Louisa specialised in children's care while at nursing school in Birmingham, and then went to London to be with Julian and became a staff nurse at Westminster Children's Hospital. She later became sister in charge of the children's ward at St Stephen's Hospital in Fulham. But tragically, she died at the age of 24 in January 1974 following a blood clot, just six months after marrying Julian the previous June. The hospital set up an award in Louisa's name as a tribute following her death. Following the bereavement, Julian battled to manage his grief and get his medical studies back on track, later graduating as a doctor from Cambridge University. The autograph book has been with me for a long time and for many years I didn't want to sell it because it was Louisa's, said Julian. But it has been 50 years and I think the time has come to pass this fascinating keepsake on. I was, and still am, a massive Beatles fan, and their music has accompanied me throughout my life. It is impossible to name a favourite song, but Paul was my favourite Beatle, and to have a piece of a plectrum he used is undeniably special. Now married to Francis, Julian fully retired in 2014 after 35 years as a medical practitioner. Other autographs in the book include three of Jerry Marsden, with one dated March 1st, 1964, on a page next to another by Tommy Quickly, with the same date, the day both Tommy and Jerry and the pacemakers played the De Montfort Hall. Cliff Richard played the venue on March 23rd, 1963, and his signature from that date also features in the book with that of Hank Marvin, who would have been with the Shadows as well as backing Cliff on stage. Robert French, valuer at Richard Winterton Auctioneers, said, With last year's poignant final single, Now and Then, plus the enduring popularity of Peter Jackson's Get Back, 
The Beatles remain an enduring presence in all our lives. There remains huge affection for the group worldwide and we expect considerable interest in the auction, especially due to the wonderful provenance of the book. The other autographs from Cliff Richards, Jerry Marsden and Tommy Quickly tie in with the dates they played in Montford Hall and show the venue was clearly one Louisa liked to go to. It's also fascinating to see the used matchstick stuck to the page signed by George Harrison and Tommy Quickly. Did the pair share the match? Or was it George's alone, but pasted at the bottom of the page so as not to obscure Tommy's name? October the 10th, 1964 must have been a special day indeed for Louisa, and we can only imagine how thrilled she was to get autographs of all four Beatles, their trusted roadie Mal Evans and American star Mary Wells, plus the bonus souvenir of McCartney's broken plectrum to boot. The catalogue can be viewed online via richardwinterton.co.uk forward slash auction hyphen dates a week before the sale, which is on Monday, January the 22nd, starting at 9.30am. More local news to follow. But now, Pete's got an idea to help with the visual discomfort of sunshine. If you need help with sight loss, then filter glasses might help you. Filter glasses are a range of glasses especially for sight loss, designed to protect your eyes from harmful UV rays and reduce glare and bright light, and also improve contrast as well. They make things clearer to see and your eyes more comfortable. They can either be worn on their own, or you can wear them over your existing prescription glasses. Wearing a sun hat or a baseball cap or a sun visor can also help too. So if you'd like to try the range of Cocoon filter glasses and find the right lens and frame to make life a bit more comfortable for you, then call Beacon Sight Loss Advisors for an appointment. You can call on 01902 880 111 and ask for a sight loss advisor. Up next, let's have another block of local news. A Womborn resident who helped with the UK's World War II effort has celebrated her 102nd birthday. Olive Yardsley has been living at Maywood, an extra care scheme in Wombourne run by the Rickin Housing Group for nine years. She spent her special day there surrounded by her large family. Born off King Street in Dudley in 1922, Olive grew up with her younger sister and two cousins her mother adopted after her aunt died. She has spent her whole life living and working in and around the area and has happy memories of her time at Sir Claughton School in Dudley, which closed in 1990. Olive says her secret to a long life is her good genes. She also keeps an active social life with the help of her family and visits her favourite pub in the nearby village of Bobbington every week. When the Second World War began, Olive, like many women, were recruited by local munitions factories. She said... We used to make the shell casings that went on the end of the bomb. They were brass but very heavy. They had to be smooth, so my job was to polish them up. I remember we all had a big knees up when the war ended. All the streets did on D-Day. 
It was whilst working in the factory that she met her husband, Baden. The couple got married in 1943 and had their first daughter, Vicky, in 1944. But Baden was posted to India before she was born. Vicky was three years old when he was finally able to return home. The couple went on to have two more children, five grandchildren and ten great-grandchildren. Olive welcomed her first great-great-grandson last year. Asked what her favourite decade has been, Olive said the 1940s. She said, My husband made a car with a soft top roof. I would help him with the sewing. We had some fun driving around everywhere. Those were the best years. Stephanie Warner, the service manager at Maywood, said, At 102, Olive still enjoys an incredibly independent life, needing just two short care visits from our team a day. We will always be on hand to help wherever we can. We are here to make sure all our residents can live as independently as possible and have a fulfilling life. A metal detectorist has unearthed a 300-year-old gold ring thought to be worth thousands of pounds on just his second time out. Tom Asprey decided to get himself a metal detector after seeing the finds his pal Steve Porter had pulled out of the ground in the local area. The 28-year-old from Albrighton said, It was only my second time out. I had seen what Steve was bringing back and I thought I'd give it a try, but I didn't want to spend thousands, so bought a £600 metal detector, which is a fraction of what other people have paid. He and Steve joined more than 300 members of the Shrewsbury and Shropshire and Dudley Metal Detecting Clubs at a dig in a field in Pattingham on December the 3rd. In just two hours, Tom had unearthed a gold mourning ring dating back to the 17th century which is one of the biggest finds anybody at the club has ever unearthed. I was following the path going towards the car, where a lot of the others had just been walking over it, said Tom. I heard a beep. I was shocked. I shouted to Steve. He said, you have got gold there. It was within an inch of the ground, but could have been there for hundreds of years. We dug it up and then you have to do a gold dance. I was then told by some of the old boys, who had been doing it more than 20 years, that they had never found anything as good. I haven't got the foggiest what it is worth, but I have seen similar examples in museums. Friend Steve Porter added, I got Tom into it. I've been doing it years and have a top-of-the-range machine that costs thousands, but I've never found anything as good as that. He said that on behalf of Tom, he has now submitted the ring to the Shropshire Finds Liaison Office and it has just been classed as treasure. The gold ring he found is a mourning ring with an inscription that reads, Prepare to follow HS, said Steve. Looking at other examples in museums, it's likely to be 17th century and probably worth thousands. We are all very jealous. Tom, who is now hooked on metal detecting after his find, said he will be back looking for treasure on Sunday in Oxford. I think it's going to be quite hard to top what I have already found though, he admitted. 
finally, a new study suggests that Wolverhampton residents have thrown in the towel when it comes to their cleanliness. In a recent study, statistics showed that over a million people in the country only wash their bathroom towels once a year, and 33% of Wolverhampton residents allegedly wash their towels only once every three months. Bathroom suppliers Showers to You asked 2,200 UK residents how often they washed their towels and found that 3% of respondents wash their bathroom towels once a year, equating to 1,595,646 people based on the most recent population estimates from the Office of National Statistics. Men were five times more likely to clean their bathroom towels just once a year, with 5% of male respondents admitting to only washing their towels annually. Only 1% of women that were asked said the same thing. According to the study, the cities with the most residents going the longest without washing their towels are Leicester and Glasgow, with 41% from both cities admitting to only washing their towels every three months at the most. Though it's not all bad, 38% of people said they wash their towels once a month, 24% wash them once a week, and 5% wash them every day. Dr. Hamdan Abdullah Hamad, a board-certified dermatologist, said, It is crucial to maintain proper hygiene in our everyday routines, including the use and care of bathroom towels. Regular washing of bathroom towels is important to maintain cleanliness and reduce the risk of infections. Towels tend to accumulate moisture, creating an environment conducive to bacterial and fungal growth. Bacteria like Staphylococcus aureus can lead to skin infections, while fungi like Candida yeast can cause issues like athlete's foot or yeast infections. Additionally, dirty towels may contain allergens that can trigger allergic reactions or skin irritations in sensitive individuals. Therefore, it is recommended to wash towels after every three to four uses to eliminate bacteria, dirt, dead skin cells and allergens, ensuring optimal hygiene and minimizing health risks. Up next, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Take it away, Roger. Hello everyone, well I'm here again with this week's selection of fascinating facts from around the world. There are so many to choose from in my weekly trawl that I hope that I'm picking some that tickles your enjoyment. Anyway, here we go for this week. 
Now, did you know that? There was actually no glass in the specs of Daniel Radcliffe wore as Harry Potter. Although it looks like there was, the appearance of lenses was added post-production with computerised graphics. And that, folks, really is magic. And brown sugar is no less refined than white sugar. The only difference is the fact that some of the molasses get removed during the refining process and it's added back in and of course it's the molasses that give brown sugar its texture and flavour. And have you ever heard of a petabyte? I hadn't. Well we all know that one gigabyte is the same as 1024 megabytes but did you know that one petabyte or PB is equivalent to 1024 terabytes TB? To give an example of how big this is, one petabyte hard drive could hold 13.3 years of HDTV or video, and a 50 PB hard drive could hold the entire written works of mankind, from the beginning of recorded history in all the languages. The invention of the radio was such a big technological deal, but it took 38 years for the radio to reach an audience of 50 million people. Meanwhile, the iPod only took three years to reach the same milestone, such as the speed of advancement in the 20th century. Actually, people read faster or slower, depending on what they read from. Not only do you blink less when you're on a computer, but reading from a screen also slows you down. On average, people read 10% slower from a screen than from paper. As for the blinking part, did you know that during everyday life, people normally blink at a rate of 20 times per minute? but put them in front of a computer and that number drops way down to seven times per minute. And spam mail was named after the canned meat. In a Monty Python skit, they said it was horrible and inescapable. Sounds pretty accurate to the annoying junk mail I get. Also, did you know that on average for every spam email sent, they only get one reply for every 12 million spam emails? Makes you wonder if it's even worth it at that point, doesn't it? Well, that's it for this week. I'm off to check me emails for me spam. Now then, that's made me fancy spam fritters. They were always a favourite of mine at school dinners back in the day. In road up, I've got cheese and Branson sarnies today and a Kit Kat to round off me lunch. So I'll just say bye for now. Now then, we'll have a put my teapot. Anyway, ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra! Up now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina. After a considerably dry but rather cold week, the weather for this week ahead is forecast to return to its unsettled ways with plenty of showers, but thankfully temperatures are forecast to feel a lot more milder too. UV levels are expected to remain low. The sunrise and sunset times are 8.05am for the sunrise and 16.40pm for the sunset. Friday 19th of January is forecast to be a lovely dry and sunny day, but with a gentle breeze. Temperatures are expected to struggle to get above 5 degrees and may well feel more like minus 1 degrees in places. Moving on and no real surprise here as it looks like there will be plenty of rainfall to accompany the sunny spells over the weekend. But as we begin to see a moderate breeze swirling its way from the west and southwest, temperatures will not feel as bitterly cold as last week, 
and will start to feel much milder at 9 degrees on both Saturday and Sunday. On to next week, where the spells of wet weather will continue to dominate once again, with plenty of light rain and drizzle to look out for. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region on Monday 22nd of January and continue right through to Thursday 25th of January with a moderate breeze continuing to come in from the southwest temperatures should continue to improve possibly even getting as high as 12 degrees as we progress through the week the showers are forecast to be persistent throughout but there's a chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through as time goes on with wednesday looking like it will be the best day to hang a laundry out So there we have it, a mixed bag of showers sprinkled with some spells of sunshine for the week. Thankfully, it won't be as cold as it has been. As always, enjoy the weather. Cheers for that weather update, Mina. Now it's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. With Wolves back on FA Cup duty against Brentford this week, and successfully swatting aside the bees to set up a mouth-watering fourth-round Black Country derby against the Baggies at the Hawthorns later this month. Albion returned to the grind of the championship with an impressive display, dispatching Blackburn with consummate ease and making it back-to-back home 4-1 victories in a week. Carlos Corberan's men built on the Aldershot FA Cup success mostly thanks to an exhilarating first half against the out-of-sort Lancashire visitors as the hosts powered into a 3-0 lead by 33 minutes. Youngster Tom Fellows was excellent again and opened the scoring in a sensational first half for the winger. Thomas Asante added a second after Hyam's error and looked to have bagged the third seconds later, but it went down as a scrappy own goal. The second half was less convincing, but it didn't need to be with the game seemingly won by the half-hour mark. It was the perfect tonic to the New Year's disappointment in Swansea. Albion, back at home where under Corberan they have been supreme, with a feel-good factor brought about by progressing takeover talk. To the frustration of the home crowd, Rovers remained on top and they managed to pull a goal back through a well-taken finish by Garrett, who curled in from 18 yards after tiptoeing through. It stirred Albion, and Corberan, who immediately introduced Nathaniel Chalaba and Pippa, and the Baggies were better for it as the hosts restored their three-goal advantage just three minutes later, and this time there was no doubting Thomas Asante's goal. Townsend lobbed a recycled corner back in, and Furlong climbed to head across the box for the striker to crash a finish into the ground and high into the net. Corberan was able to hand useful minutes to Wallace, Dyke and Caleb Taylor, and Dyke almost made it a perfect finale, but his effort flew inches wide before Pippa went just as close as the Baggies won at a canter. Thomas Asante was magnificent, with supreme displays by Alex Mowat, Darnell Furlong and Cedric Kipre too, as Albion put five points between themselves and seventh-placed Sunderland. It was Albion's third three-goal winning margin or more in the league under Corberan. Now, here come the quiz answers, and they're brought to us by Mina. 
Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question one. What is odd about Harry Potter's specs? And the answer? There were no actual lenses. Question two. What is added to white sugar to make it brown? And the answer is molasses. Question three. How many terabytes is equal to one petabyte? And the answer here is 1024. Question four. How long did it take for the iPod to get 50 million users? And the answer here is three years. Question five. Do you read faster or slower when reading from a computer screen? And the answer is 10% slower. And finally, question six. On average, how many spam mails are sent out to get one reply? And the answer here is 12 million. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. With temperatures already falling across the region, time now to hear from our gardening experts at MK Pulse magazine with handy tips and advice on how to prepare and protect our garden plants from the harsher weather to come. DNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, this is Jan with some seasonal tips and ideas from the gardening expert at the MK Pulse magazine based in Milton Keynes. The time for a blooming great change. It's a new year, a time when thoughts turn to clean slates and new tasks. If you're reading this while glancing at that bland backyard space, that mini overgrown jungle, or that barren bland excuse for a garden, why not start there? Sprucing up the garden is a great way to get active, learn new skills, and enjoy some me time. And the phrase, what you put in, you get out, is so apt, as keen amateur gardener Debbie Keating would agree. I can't say it was unloved, as it did have a huge pond in it at one point, but that had been removed many years before, Debbie told us of her outside space. The rest was just plain field-like grass and not really used. There was just one tree and an odd bit of wall. It would be a long-term project, and Debbie decided to be sensible when it came to her aims. I had to be realistic about my lack of gardening skills and ability and find a way of working that mitigated both. I am fully aware that I am pants at plants, Debbie said, explaining her naivety when she began her garden journey. I have two houseplants alive and both do better when I ignore them. In order for my garden to look good, most of the design interest had to rely on structure. I also needed help on plant choice, which came from my mum, 
who at 89 is still providing much of the produce for the plant stall at her local village Faints. Debbie wanted a landscaped space that would work on different levels, a place for entertaining others, for enjoying the peace and quiet of the outdoors, and one that would be beneficial for our pollinators. Turning that green space into an alluring one began with taking some basic measurements. I started off measuring the garden and putting that into an online garden design app. I used a free trial on shoot.com to work out what I could do with the space and fiddle about with the design to get a plan made. I took a screenshot of that plan and stuck to it. It then didn't matter if I managed a little or a lot. As long as I stuck to that, everything was considered progress. My brother and nephew helped with the heavy labour, and my mum picked out some lovely shrubs which were good for pollinators and were also easy to look after, or rather be ignored. The garden soil is basically a two metre thick layer of clay, so there was a lot of heavy work involved. The main lawn was rotivated, then mixed with soil conditioner, left over winter to freeze and rotivate again before laying a hard-wearing lawn. The seeds of Debbie's creation had been set, figuratively and literally. Next month we'll see how she executed her plan, and she might just inspire you too. TNF Soundings So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!